if you remembered me a couple of weeks ago. Um, sorry about that, but uh, they've let me loose again this morning. Um, and it's interesting, as we've been looking at, uh, been looking at John, you remember that some of the teaching we've had is, is that John keeps going around the same subjects, light and love, but at the same time, he's also wanting to look at things where we need to be aware and we need to be on our guard and we need to be warned and we need to be strong. And towards the end of uh, two weeks ago, we spoke about some of the verses that talked about Antichrist. That's those that deny Christ and how we were looking at it and how we had to be warned about these things. Well, John's circled back round and through the Spirit of God, he's come back to this subject again. And we're going to look at this in relation to encouragement, warning and two tests to make sure that we're grounded and we're firm and we're sure about what we believe and why we believe it. And the whole core thing this morning, in very simple terms, is that we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that he came into the world in human form. He was born as a baby. He experienced birth. He experienced life. He experienced death. And he has experienced resurrection. I'm glad about that because it makes a promise in the Scriptures that one day, when I die, I too will experience resurrection. Not because of anything in me, but because of the promise that God has made. One of the things that I have found through my years of life, I've now hit sort of 62, so I'm at the, uh, the older end of the spectrum, as it were, is that God is faithful and God's word is true. Time upon time upon time, I've seen a faithful God, a true God, that his promises and his word is true. And we're going to be looking at some foundational verses that we need to be aware of. You can see on the slide up there, the, the little subject is living in the truth. And I, I put it in terms of icons, if you like, and the icon is the cross and the fact that it's Jesus. That the living in the truth is, that the, the key fundamental thing about us living in the truth is in the truth of who Jesus is and what he has done. And we live in a world that questions our view, that questions the scriptures that we take as sacred and as authoritative and as real. And we have to be aware about how to deal with these things. Now, we're going to see that we need to do it in a gracious way. We need to do it in a loving way. But we, need, we can't compromise on certain fundamental truths. And to not compromise means we, understand, we have to understand them in the first place. Because if we don't understand them, we're in trouble. So let's have a look at the passage. I'm going to read it first in a translation. This is the English Standard Version. And then a bit later on, we're going to look at the same passage again in the message, which is a paraphrase, but really just sort of helps to get it into language that you and I can really grab hold of. I read the message version. I thought, great, I've got it now. I've really got hold of these verses. So I'm going to read it. Please follow it as you, you see it up there. The most important thing to me today is that you take home God's Word, that you put it into the eye gate... You put it into your mind and hopefully you drop it into your heart and it there germinates and it there flourishes and it there touches your heart and your life through the work and the person of the Holy Spirit. That's what's important to me is the scriptures. I'll say some other things and you may remember some of them and you may not, but if you can just hang on to the scriptures then that's a good thing that you've done this morning. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and you have overcome them for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. And I'm sure that God will bless those scriptures to your heart because they are very important and we need to be grounded in them. The first thing I want to do is just go through some scriptures that just reaffirm, they're all from John, they're all from the Gospel of John that reaffirm what John was saying in 1 John chapter 4 about the fact of the flesh and blood, if you like, nature of the Lord Jesus Christ that God, the Son, came into this world born as a baby and the things that we've said, lived a life, experienced death, experienced resurrection. And so here's the Lord Jesus. He, he's there standing before Pilate. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose, was, this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? So when we look at the person of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, in his humanity, he speak, when he speaks, he speaks truth. But he doesn't just speak truth in a sort of a, you know, I can say a load of stuff and you can say, oh, Pete, I'll take it or leave it. That's your view. This is that. This is the other. When Jesus speaks in the scriptures, his word is authoritative. Do you remember that on a number of occasions he would speak to them? Quite often he would back up that speaking by a miracle and they would say, they gave praise to God, which was fantastic, and they said, this man doesn't teach or speak like the scribes who teach, but he speaks with one who has authority. And I'll give you one example miracle of that. Do you remember that time when that man couldn't walk and he was taken by his four friends and they climbed up onto the roof and they ripped the roof apart. I don't know what the owner of the house thought about that. And they lowered the man through. And Jesus, as he saw him coming down, he said to him, he didn't say, get up and walk. He said, son, your sins be forgiven you. Now, the religious people that were in that room listening, you know, ringside seats, listening to what this rabbi was talking about, said, who can forgive sins but God only? Well, they were right. Because standing before them, if they would that have opened their eyes and seen, was the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Son of God. But he said, to show you that I have that authority, he said, get up and walk. And the man took up his bed and he walked. And that was showing that he had the authority because of who he is, the Son of God, that he, it's only God has the right to forgive sin. I could forgive you for doing something against me in that sense, I can forgive you. But sin, remember, is not only against, say, me as a person, but it's against God. And so it's God that forgives sins, not me. 
And it's what God does in relation to those sins, which is why Jesus came into the world. He didn't come into the world as some great triumphant king of kings and lord of lords and leader uh, on, on a great power base to blow out the Roman army. He came as a saviour. He came to seek and to save that which was lost. He came to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. He came into the world to deal with the thing that separated you and I from God, which was sin. And by his life and by his sacrifice upon that cross and by the shedding of his blood and the sealing of that sacrifice that he'd offered to God, by that shedding of that blood and that new covenant, that New Testament, we can have eternal life through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. I hope you will believe that. I hope you are all in the good of that. That Jesus Christ is your saviour. That you love him. That you recognise and acknowledge his authority. That you recognise the truth of his words. That you believe in his incarnation. He's coming into this world as a baby. That you believe his words and the work that he did upon the cross. And that in believing these things in your heart and confessing them in your mouth, you're saved. You belong to God. You've become a child of God. You're going to heaven. You have eternal life. I hope these are things that still thrill you. Some of you may have been a Christian for many years and you may have just, you know, just got a little bit less warm about these things. But some of you maybe are newly saved, and you're burning with the passion of the wonder of the fact, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, not because of me, but because of what Jesus has done. That God looks at me, and that lovely song, hymn that we sang just about, God looks at me, and because of what Jesus has done, he imputes righteousness to me, not because of anything I've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And so the Lord, as, he spoke, as Jesus spoke to Pilate, he spoke about truth. And it's, the, it's in this context of truth, what is truth. Now, here's a couple of other scriptures just to think about these things. And just to confirm what John was saying in the, in the epistle where he says, flesh and blood, that those that people that deny that Jesus came in the flesh, then they're not of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. There's another verse in a minute that we're going to look at, and both of them have got the word grace and truth. I, I, I want you to be clear that you must be grounded, you must be embedded in the truth of the word of God, that Jesus is the Son of God, and that it was by his death that you can have salvation, and by him alone. But at the same time, when we see Jesus, there's verses that are wonderful that say grace and truth. So you may be talking to somebody that's utterly sincere in what they believe, and that are, are totally committed to their lifestyle and their belief, or whatever it, you know, whatever it is, and so you, you're going to say something that could be completely opposite. They come from a world position and you come from this position and you're going to talk to them about Jesus. So when you do it, you've got to be gracious. It's not about winning an argument. It's not about pounding them down. It's not about overwhelming them with your knowledge of the Scriptures and, and blowing them away because they might end up walking out hating you. But if you can show them love and you can show them the reality of the wonder of what God has done, Christianity is so powerful and it, is, it causes fear amongst so many other religions because they know the power of it. 
of a personal relationship with God, of sins forgiven, of eternal life. But it all hinges around who Jesus was and what he did. And so we must be clear and we must be firm and we must put God's word into our heart and we must be willing to to speak God's word faithfully and truly, but gently and graciously. Live it, live it out. I've I've got some people that, uh, there's one guy I used to take to work and we had many a conversation. Uh, he, he, He was a Muslim and I was a Christian. And we made it very clear about our different views. And we talked a lot about um, Ishmael and things like that because he, he was pleased that I knew the Old Testament. We talked about it. But in the, in the end of the day, you know, he, he was still my friend. I didn't drive him away and he didn't drive me away. We had to acknowledge at the end of the day we were both fairly firm in our positions, but we managed to keep a friendship going. And that was important because he, he would then watch what I said. Did what I say tie, st- stack up with how I live my life? The same as I could look at him and see if what he said stacked up with his life. So that's a bit of a challenge. It's a challenge to us all that when we look at the Lord Jesus, it was grace and truth. Dude, he would have compassion and he would speak truth, but he would do it in a gracious way. You think of that um, passage. Some people say it's not in some of the Gospels. There's a passage in John where it says that a woman was taken in adultery and was brought before the Lord. And there he was. He was in the temple and he was writing. And they said, this, you know, he said, what do you think? What's your judgment, Rabbi, about this woman? If the Lord knew the scriptures that if a person was taken in adultery, it was both the male and the female that were brought forward, both of them, and then it had to be in the, in the evidence of two witnesses or more. That's the Old Testament teaching. So they broke all the rules. They brought one person. I suspect it was a trap. This woman was entrapped into what happened, which is sad. But look at the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said, you know, he, he, he said these words. He said, let him who is without sin, cast the first stone. And it said, from the oldest to the youngest, they all left him. And there was the Lord, and there was the woman. And he said, woman, where, where, where are the witnesses? Where are your accusers? And she said, there's nobody here. He said, neither do I condemn you, because he was only one, and he wasn't even a witness. Go and sin no more. What love, what grace. That there was a woman that, 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 that saw somebody that showed compassion when she was in the most awful of circumstances. Because here was a man, he didn't compromise truth, but he showed grace. Now that's a challenge to you and me in this world in which we live. To not compromise on the truth of what we're looking at, verses like that. To not compromise on the truth of the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, of his humanity. The one that is God, the one that is man. To not compromise on those things but be gracious in the way that we live and talk to other people about those things. Grace and truth. The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Again, in the Gospel of John. If you were to look at the Ten Commandments, if we all stood up together and I started reading through the Ten Commandments to you and said, right, when you get to a commandment that you've um, failed in, we'll be gentle about it, sit down. Well, I probably would be sitting down first, but by the time we've finished, there will be nobody in this room standing because the law and the standard of God's holiness would condemn us all. We would all fail. We could not live a life that would please and honour God. We do our best. And so God brought in a system of sacrifice and of a blood that had to be shed, an animal that had to die to cover that sin. But ultimately, it was all heading up to that one great sacrifice of the Lord Jesus when he was going to shed his blood, when he was going to die, when he was going to deal with sin. This man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, forever sat down. 
Sitting down implies finished. What a great work. So the law condemned us, but then God saying, look, I know you can't, you're condemned by the law, but it just makes you understand that you're sinners that have a need, and so the Saviour came to deal with the sin and to deal with the need, to bring men and women, young people, back into a relationship with God through the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The law was given by Moses. The law condemned me, but grace and, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ, and Jesus saved me. These are, are great truths that we need to get hold of. And this is one truth that, in this world in which we live, offends people. I've heard of people, Christians, that have been quoting from the word of God in this country and have been arrested by the police for quoting a verse like this because this verse is an uncompromising verse. It's still the word of God. I can't pick and choose what I have to say. Oh, I don't, I can't, I don't, don't worry about this verse. I don't really believe it. I do believe it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. What a, a tremendous statement. And this is the bit that really gets in the core of many people. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way that I could be saved is through a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Nobody else. By grace are you saved through faith. And that not of works, that not of yourself, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's not my works that saves me. It's not my goodness that saves me. It's not that I'm a nice person or not that saves me. It's the faith that God has given me to believe in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So these words that Jesus spoke are the truth. Because remember, we are associating the Lord Jesus with his words being authoritative and truthful, but at the same time gracious. But he didn't compromise on the message that he had to say. He didn't say, actually, there's, there's lots of ways you can come to God. He knew that the only way that those people that he spoke to was through the work that he was going to do upon the cross. That was the only way that they could have a, a right relationship with God again. It's the only way to this very day that, that that premise still continues. That the only way that I can have a relationship with God is through the Son of God as Jesus Christ and his work and his death upon the cross. So it's I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We have to be gracious when we handle scriptures like this with other people, and they can, you know, because they don't always like it, but that's, that's what it says. These are foundational scriptures that you really all ought to have memorized and in your heart and available to give an answer for the hope that is within you. The scriptures say to be instant, in season, and out of season. That means when it's convenient and when it's not convenient. To be instant, in season, and out of season, to give a hope for the answer. To give an answer for the hope that is within you. You know, you meet some people over a period of time at work, they'll talk about football, they'll talk about what they did at the weekend and everything. They don't like to talk about God. We'll see a bit of that in a minute. But when you do get that odd little occasion here and there, and it might just be one little opportunity, how are you going to do it? You don't want to come at them like a, you know, as I said, like a like a steam train, but the moment you can slip a scripture here, slip a scripture there. These are wonderful things, and you just have to take those opportunities as and when they come along. We're going to read these verses again in the message just to, to get it into our head, then we're just going to break, break through them fairly quickly. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Carefully weigh and examine what people tell you. Not everyone who talks about God 
comes from God. There are a lot of lying preachers loose in the world. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. And everyone who refuses to confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. This is the spirit of Antichrist that you heard was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought. My dear children, you come from God and you belong to God. You have already won a big victory over those false teachers, for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language and the world eats it up. But we come from God and belong to God. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens. The person who has nothing to do with God will, of course, not listen to us. This is another test for telling the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. I, I think the way that that's been paraphrased is just very helpful to me about care in weighing up what I hear. How does that stack up against the scriptures? What are people's attitudes to the Lord Jesus Christ? What am I going to do about these things? And, and I think the way that's been put is a, a great help to me. Now let's have a little look at it. It starts off with a warning. My dear friends, don't believe everything you hear. Okay, and it goes on there. You can see the words. There are a lot of lying preachers. Well, there's another little verse in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 16, that says, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognise them by their fruits, are grapes gathered from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles. I love that picture. <laughs> when I found it on the internet, I thought, fantastic. Uh, you know, it's a serious thing that, that people can appear in a way that can be disarming and can come among you and can start coming to a church and yet they have an agenda or a worldview or a belief system that actually isn't in, a, in line with the word of God. And so they're spoken of, it's quite heavy language, as a, a, a ravenous wolf. But on the outside they look like a sheep. But they want to tear you up, they want to destroy you, they want to eat you up. So one is that beware to recognise those things. And one of the ways that you can recognise them is through the fact that they're fruits. Because he says, do you get grapes from thorn bushes or do you get figs from thistles? Well, you know, you don't get a wolf from a sheep. And so it's this idea of these opposites. So you've got to look at, look at what they do, look at what they say. Just as everybody's got every right to look at what I do and look at what I say, and the same of you each. That, you know, we live as Christians that... Do what we, does what we say stack up with what we do? So it's actions and words, and in the context of other people that you deal with, in a gracious way. But it's a warning. Beware. They're amongst you. Don't be surprised. There are, there are people out there that, that look like sheep. They say the right things, they do the right things, and yet something is not quite right, because inside, in their heart, they're like a wolf. And they have an agenda that is not in line with God's word. It is not of God. And so we have to be aware of these things. And by the fruit you can look at them sometimes. So that's a, one. That's a warning first of all. Then there's a test. Here's how you test for the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly 
his faith in Jesus Christ. There's a verse that says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. Now I know that sometimes people might believe in their heart and might not say much about it, but I think it's a good thing that if somebody becomes a Christian, it's a good thing to tell other people about it. So start, get it out, start talking about it. I'm a Christian because the moment you start doing that, it, it, it helps you to want to have accountability in the way that you live. And, and, and an example might be that if you think about a fire with coals, if, you, if, you, if you're a coal in that fire, you're burning brightly because you're being encouraged by other people. You're accountable. You're trying to live what you say, speak it out, give an answer. Because if you're a Christian and you only talk about being a Christian at, uh, at church and you never talk about it to your neighbours, to people at work and to other people, then, well, yes, you're a Christian, but you know, how, how do you tell other people about the amazing thing that God's done for you? So it says, here's how you test the genuine spirit of God. Everyone who confesses openly his faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came as an actual flesh and blood person, comes from God and belongs to God. And we've got two great verses there. We've thought about the Word and the fact that the Word was God. And then, then you link it across, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. So that's one way of testing. What do people think about Jesus? What do they believe about him? Do they believe he's just a great humanitarian? He's a great prophet? He was an amazing human being? You know, all these wonderful, very exalted um, statements about him. But the nub of it is, do you believe that he is God? Do you believe in his incarnation, his coming into the world, flesh flesh and blood human being? Do you believe these things? That's the, the nub of the test. It goes on and says, everyone who refuses to confess, fa- confess faith in Jesus has nothing in common with God. This is the spirit of Antichrist that you have heard was coming. Well, here it is, sooner than we thought in the message. I've put a number of religions, faith systems up there, and if you were to, a little exercise for you if you choose to do it. You've, you've got the information, and I went on Wikipedia, and I went through each of those different faith systems, belief systems up there, and I had a look at what their statements were in the context of seeing what their view is about Jesus. Do they confess he's God? Do they confess that he came in flesh and blood? And each time I went through each one, oh, sorry, each time I went through each one, instead of having to put a tick, I had to say no, 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 that those belief systems, those religions, when you came down to the nub, none of them gave the Lord Jesus Christ deity. None of them took that view about his flesh and blood. It says in 2 John chapter 1, verse 7, For many deceivers have gone out into the world, those who do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. Such a one is the deceiver and the antichrist. Now, you know, that's a challenging thing in the world in which we live. So all I ask you today is that it's not that you're going out there looking to destroy and to bring down and to attack other people's belief systems and religions, but that you're willing to give an answer for what you believe. Because if you're willing and you do that faithfully and you handle the scriptures and you speak the word of God faithfully, God's Holy Spirit can do the great work. He's the one that can touch the hearts of people that have got a a diametrically opposed to you in terms of what they believe. 
Your responsibility is to be faithful to God. Your responsibility is to confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. Your responsibility is to acknowledge that he came in the flesh. That's your responsibility. And then to give an answer, as I've said, to those that ask you the questions. It's down to God and the Holy Spirit, how he deals with people that start from such a different place, perhaps know nothing better, perhaps have never thought of it in any other way. It's good that we can have an understanding, but as I said, it's not my aim to, 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 to break these things down. It's my aim to give a faithful answer and to do it in a gracious way. You need to do these things. Because it says, of these systems, if I can use that language, they profess to know God, but by their deeds they deny him. So if they're not acknowledging Jesus Christ as the Son of God, and they're not acknowledging his uh, human birth, then, they, then their, their deeds aren't stacking up with what the scriptures say. And at the end of the day, I have to look at the word of God as the authoritative guidance that I have. I have to believe the scriptures. I don't have any choice in the matter. That's what I believe. That's what is the truth to me, because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But then John just does a little section on encouragement. My dear children... You come from God and you belong to God. You've already won a big victory over those false teachers for the spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. Some of you remember a couple of weeks ago I spoke about, remember John was talking about those fathers, he sometimes called them war veterans, those young men and those children. And he was talking about the young men being strong because they'd had a victory. Because, and, and I spoke about the fact that sometimes we can win a battle but we're in a war. Remember the scriptures in it, I think it's Ephesians chapter 6, says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and spiritual wickedness on high. We have a warfare, and we have armory and equipment to help us in that warfare, because the power behind those things that want to deny the deity of the Lord Jesus and deny his humanity and his deity is the devil. And the whole system that he sets up, whether it's as an angel of light to offer something that's counterfeit but enough to fill the God void, or whether it's like a lion that roars and, and tries to persecute those that are firm in their faith, the devil wants to destroy and to break down anything that's associated with God and that which is good. When God looked in creation, he said it's good. It's very good. And the devil wanted to destroy marriage. He wanted to break down um, Adam and Eve's uh, authority that God had given them. He wanted to do these things and he used the scriptures and he attacked them. And here we need to be encouraged that you've come from God and belong to God. You've already won a big victory. Now in relation to 1 John, John was having to deal with people that were associated with these Christians where John was writing to them that were Gnostics. Gnostics just means people that claim to have hidden wisdom. And their argument was, some of them were trying to say, look, Jesus was just a good man. And he had such piety that when he was baptised, the Spirit of God came upon him, and that's when he became um, energised and active. He wasn't God before. He wasn't born as God. He wasn't God, but that's it. So that was the view. And they were having to battle against that and to counter it by saying, no, he was God from the word go. This was God that came into the world as a human being. This is the one that is the way, the truth, and the life. And so they'd had that that victory, that, that this Gnosticism, this teaching about the fact that Jesus only became associated with God and had the Spirit of God later on, and not at his birth, when the Scriptures clearly say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
and so on and so forth. We need to remember when things are difficult in this world, when we seem to see so many world systems that seem so, array, so arranged against Christianity and all the things of us wearing symbols and of living, for the, living and being a Christian and preaching the gospel and reading the Bible, then we have to remember Romans chapter 8, verse 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? That doesn't mean that we're going to have a fantastic life, that everything's going to be easy, that we're all going to be rich, that it's going to be simple and a bed of roses because we've become a Christian. God doesn't promise that. What does he promise? Eternal life. What does he promise? That we have a relationship with God as children of God, as sons of God. He promises these things. It doesn't mean that your life's going to be easy. But always remember that deep down, at the back of it all, you have God backing you up. You have God there as your foundation. God who loves you and cares for you. God who sees you. If God is for us, who can be against us? And against all those things that come against us, God's still there and he's faithful. The spirit in you is far stronger than anything in the world. And I love the idea of having uh, that, that picture there just to encourage us, just to help us along. Some of you might be finding it tough at the moment. Some of you might be even questioning your faith, wondering why am I bothering as a Christian? Why am I doing these things? Be encouraged. Stand firm in what you believe. Meet with your brothers and sisters. Be ready to give a word. Just keep going. Because we're not in a sprint race. We're not, oh, I'm a Christian, I'm going to do amazing things. We're in a marathon. And a marathon is day after day after day after day. Picking myself up rubbing myself down and going on as a Christian, looking ever towards the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it says, your word is a lamp to my feet each day and a light, like a lighthouse, to my path. The long distance, the long distance goal is over there. But each day I've got to go along with my lamp and just keep going. Because then what's my lamp? My lamp is God's word. And I have to just keep going. And I have to just keep batting day after day. And so do you. Some of you have it good and some of you have it bad. And some of you are well and some of you are ill. And some of it's not easy. But keep going, because in keeping going, you please God. And I'll tell you what, you please a great crowd of witnesses, because if you were to look in Hebrews chapter 11, it says, Therefore, let us lay aside the sins that do so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. And before that, it says, Therefore, seeing we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us run with patience the race that is set before. Do you know that that cloud of witnesses are people that have gone before, that have run the race? My mum and dad, my grandparents are there watching Pete sort of struggling along each day, battling along, finding it tough, finding it difficult sometimes, going well other days. There's a great cloud of witnesses that are looking at each of you as you run that race, as you keep going, looking unto Jesus, the author of and finisher of our faith. He's the one. And the Spirit of God is within us, and he is the one that can help us. So we come to the last slide. Final test, another test. We've had a test at the start. So we've had a warning, we've had an encouragement, we've had a test, we've, we've had these things here, and it says the final test. These people belong to the Christ-denying world. They talk the world's language, and the world eats it up. Do you, do you, do you ever sort of realise there are days when you think, oh, I don't know, I don't seem to quite fit in. I don't feel comfortable giving approval to this and that and this standard and that thing and this and that. And, and I don't quite fit in. Well, the reason you don't quite fit in is because you don't belong to this world any longer. You're going through it, but you're an ambassador for Christ. 
So you should feel uncomfortable with some of the things that the world thinks perfectly acceptable. Some of the standards and the laws that are passed that are completely opposite to what God teaches. No wonder you feel uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable. They talk the world's language and the world eats it up, but we come from God and belong to God. Anyone who knows God understands us and listens. The person who has nothing to do with God will, of course, not listen to us. Now, of course, I had to get the right sort of picture. I couldn't have a, you know, a, a young man or a young woman or an old man. or an old, you know, I thought, I'd better get something that's a bit neutral. So I got that cartoon. But look, every one of them has got their hands over their ears. They do not want to hear. They do not listen to us. How often have you found that you've, you've started to have a conversation and somehow you got past the football and the caravanning weekend and everything else, you've suddenly got onto something that's just getting in a direction that's interesting. And you may have just popped out a scripture or said something, oh, like, you know, I went to church on Sunday and the pastor talked to us about this. And, then, and, and, and within about half a second, Sometimes that people, they want, to, they want to get on to, you know, how, how, how Man City did at the weekend on the football, or how Northampton Saints did. They, they want to get anywhere than talk about the things of God. They do not want to listen to the things that actually excite you. One of the greatest buzzes I have in life is sitting down with a brother or a sister and talking about the scriptures. And I've got one guy here called Andrew. He knows how much I love having a chat about the scriptures. And I don't do it enough, and that's to my shame. But I love talking about the Bible. I love talking about the Word of God. That's my great buzz. That's what I really enjoy doing when I get the opportunity. And, you know, that Andrew will listen to me, and I'll listen to him, and he'll give me a point of view, and I'll pick up a point of view, and I'll learn something. And I think, oh, file that away, Pete. Just think about that. That's a good way I can talk to somebody else about that. They don't, but they don't want to listen to what we say. This is another test of telling the spirit of truth from the spirit of deception. And John 16, verse 13, as we finish, then the spirit of truth comes. When the spirit of truth comes, which he has now come, he will guide you in all truth. You know, with learning the word of God, even if it's by rote, the other thing that you need to do is to allow the spirit of God to work in your hearts. John was talking about sometimes speaking something. I, I've had to learn. I, I didn't find this easy. Uh, Trix and I, we call it nudges. And we'll get a nudge, and we'll both look at each other about a nudge or something, or I'll say something, I said, oh, I feel we ought to do that, and Trix will say, yeah, let's do it. And we'll just get on and do it. We don't put it off for another week. If, if I get a nudge, it needs to be done. Because I know that I might not either get that nudge again, or, or, or you know, if God has got to nudge me again on something, then, you know, shame on me. But, you know, I, I, I understand. We all respond to the Spirit of God in different ways. The number of times I've been standing talking, I, I don't know which scriptures I was going to quote to you today, but, you know, God, God blesses and God's spirit can take the word of God and can allow you to say things through his power. And it's that discernment that you have. You couple the scriptures and the word of God with the spirit of God and you've got something that's very powerful, something that isn't easily broken because it's true. The spirit of God indwells you. So be encouraged. Be gracious in your testimony, but don't compromise. Be true to the word of God. Be true to your saviour and to your master, to your king, to your God. Love him and thank him for what he has done. Rejoice in him, in this world that hates him, in this world that rejects him, in this world that will not listen when you want to talk about Jesus. Don't be discouraged. And may you be encouraged in your walk and in your life as you go on. May you take encouragement from these verses in the book of John. Thank you.